Welcome to the Tokyo Citadel Builders Podcast. This show is hosted by three Christian Bitcoin maximalists in Tokyo. We agree on very little except that Bitcoin is money and a tool we can use to help us build a better future. We discuss current topics in Japan and Bitcoin and how our lives are impacted by the growing Bitcoinization of the world. We interview builders on Bitcoin to learn about how Bitcoin can help us push back against government encroachment, enable us to retain financial sovereignty, and empower us to secure ourselves against corporate and government surveillance. Sat by sat, we are building a Bitcoin economy in Tokyo and connecting ourselves to citadels throughout the world. This show is hosted by We Three Gentlemen, Doomer Dash, Meta Mike, and me, Andy. We are a value for value podcast, so if you've enjoyed the show, hit us up with a thousand sat boost on Fountain or show us some love on our TokyoCitadel.com website. Connect with us on Twitter and Noster at Tokyo Citadel. And we are live. Welcome to the podcast. Today we are doing an interview with Marco Simic. Brother, good to have you on. Thank you for being with us. Hi, Andy. Thanks for, for the invite. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Uh, we have just become uh, uh, introduced to one another through some of the stuff that is going on with Bitcoin and, and Australia here in, in Tokyo. Uh, so looking forward to get to know a little bit about you and what you're doing. So uh, for me and for actually for everybody listening, can you give a little bit of an intro and a background to yourself? Yes, certainly. So as, as you already mentioned, I'm uh, based in Tokyo, Japan. I've been here for the past six years. Uh, I had a long road to, to Japan, uh, but in general, I'm a machine learning and AI and robotics uh, engineer originally from Serbia, but uh, 10, 10 years ago, it felt like uh, not, mu not much was happening in Serbia in, in the domain of AI, so I decided to, to move out and uh, seek further education and opportunities abroad, and so I ended up in Russia and then in US, and then six years ago, I landed in, uh, in Tokyo, Japan, and since then, I've been uh, building here. Fantastic. So you were so you went to the U.S., Russia, and then Tokyo. Um, where in the U.S. were you? I was based in in Boston. I was uh, attending MIT at that time. Okay, cool. Did you like Boston? Oh yeah, Boston is a wonderful city. Uh, except in winter, it gets very very <laughs> cold. But. Uh, it's a hugely stimulating environment that you have like BU, MIT, Harvard. People are amazing. Everybody is smart. So it's just wonderful to be there. And, uh, but yeah. Absolutely. And then you say, but well, you're complaining about the cold. Then you went to Russia though. That's true. That's true. Um, I, I didn't like winters in Moscow either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you enjoy, did you enjoy your time in, uh, in Russia? Uh, yeah, Moscow is a wonderful city, uh, regardless of what's happening right now. But uh, Russian people are, are kind and, and nice. Uh, Moscow is a beautiful city. In summer, it's wonderful. But uh, yeah, it just didn't feel the uh, right place for me at the time. So I decided to, to move on. And uh, since I lived in Europe, US and Russia, I never lived in Asia. I was like, okay. Every time I move somewhere new, I learn new things from the culture. So let's let's try Japan, 
and uh, that's how I ended up here. And it was a great okay. decision. As, as you know, Japan is a uh, vastly different from from Western countries, so there's there's many things to learn. Yeah, the uh, when you came to Japan, did you come directly to Tokyo, or were you in a, uh, another part of the country when you first got here? No, I came directly to Tokyo. Uh, I started working for a company called LeapMind, and uh, we were doing uh, machine learning on the edge, basically taking computer vision models and making them performant and efficient to run on the embedded hardware and low power hardware. So instead of running on the beefy GPUs from NVIDIA, they're supposed to run on like the edge compute in robots, in, in drones and, and similar hardware. And then cool. after, after a year of that company, I switched to, to Ascent Robotics. I joined early there and for five years, I, I served as a CTO of the company, and we were doing uh, factory automation with industrial robots and AI. Basically, we would create our own AI software. We would take industrial robots uh, and then uh, automate manual labor in factories and logistics centers. Uh, and then in April this year, I decided to move on, and currently I'm a... Uh, I'm independent. I'm exploring different ideas and building uh, building stuff on my own. That's uh, that's the way to do it, man. It seems like you have a lot of uh, uh, a lot of good good experience leading into uh, kind of a, a branch out into your own. So, well, I'll be curious to hear what more you're doing. But before we go on, you said you are uh, Serbian uh, by nationality, uh, and I hope I don't screw this up. But um, is is not uh, the big uh, uh, the Prince Philip? Uh, Serbian oh, yeah, as well as a big Bitcoin guy, yeah? Good, good. I, was, I thought so. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to screw this up. He's actually from Yugoslavia or something. But. Yeah, so he's in Serbian. In fact, uh, I, I met him a few months ago because I spent uh, this summer, I was in, traveling around Europe, and I spent some time in Belgrade with my family. And there is a nice small movement happening in Belgrade around Hub 21, which is basically a Bitcoin hub. Um and we had a meetup there, Bitcoin meetup, and Prince Philip attended. So it was, it was cool to, to see him. Um, yeah. That's awesome. You got to bring Prince Philip over here. I, I got, I, I've always enjoyed his his uh, his perspective on things. So I, I'd like to, to hear more what he has to say. The, yeah, I'm sure, oh, I'm sure he would love to visit Tokyo. <laughs> good. Hopefully we can make, hopefully that comes about sometime. Well, thanks for the uh, the intro. It's good to know. Um, you mentioned a lot of robotics. You um, you mentioned uh, uh, AI stuff. There's a bunch that we're going to get into here. Um, what? How? How do you want to start off? Do you want to give us an intro of uh, how you like? Because you 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 brain you're coming into Bitcoin and DeFi and, and some of the other stuff we'll get into uh, some of the, uh, crypto and Bitcoin stuff. Um, but that comes through the lens and comes through the path of AI and robotics. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're doing with the AI and the robotics thing and then how that leads into Bitcoin? Well, uh, I can, I can maybe it's better to, to tell you my like, crypto and Bitcoin journey. And then because AI and Bitcoin kind of are merging right now, but okay. uh, before they, they were separate stories. Okay. Um, so, as I mentioned, 
my my technical background is machine learning and i've been doing studying that and been doing that for a while now but uh, since i've been in tech uh, i came across crypto a long time ago i think that it was like 2012 or 13 uh, and i was i was at a university lab at that time and i even tried to to run a node bitcoin node and, and do some mining but that didn't lead anywhere so I gave up on that. Uh, it was just like a idea at the time. Uh, I didn't understand Bitcoin details or anything like that. I just saw, okay, this something maybe interesting. I see that people are doing it. Like, let me try. But it didn't lead anywhere. Uh, so then, when I went to MIT, I was I was at a MIT Bitcoin Expo conference. It was the second one in 2015. So I attended that. Listened to all the talks. And again, I didn't understand much, to be honest. I was like, what are these guys talking about? This is like, I'm here to, to study robotics and AI, not, not like uh, think about some crypto utopia or dystopia, right? But that was my first like real exposure to Bitcoin and the circle was giving out like some stats. So I got that too. And uh, that, that, that marks like an official point when when I started like uh, stacking sats actually, <laughs> but I was still not deep into, into the Bitcoin weeds and I, I was not orange build. And then fast forwarding to, to Tokyo and to pandemic, uh, obviously crypto is booming, right? The, the prices are pumping. And, uh, but Tokyo was kind of stale because borders were closed, nothing was happening. And I was like, oh, let's let's do something fun here. I mean, there is still a large community here in Tokyo of uh, tech people. Um, and I decided to, to create an event, like a tech-focused event. And uh, I decided to do it around NFTs because NFTs were all, all the rage, right? Uh, board apes and, and whatever. So, yeah, I decided to, to organize an event, gathered some NFT artists, gathered some... Uh, some uh, speakers and it turned out to be a, a huge success we had like around 150 people attend the first event i was everybody was super satisfied and happy about it because yeah as i said nothing was happening at that time and then uh, a few months afterwards we organized another one even more people showed up it was it was very fun we had a great panel discussion and uh, and then borders started or actually, yeah, borders starting started opening up a little bit, and other people started doing uh, NFT events. So I kind of backed off and then refocused again on on the robotics and AI. Um, uh, and in that period, I also got orange pills. I started learning way more about Bitcoin, about monetary system, uh, what's happening with fiat money, and uh, yeah, nowadays I. I would say that I, I belong to BTC Maxi Club. <laughs> so I gotta ask, how are um, these uh, the the NFT parties and whatnot? They look from from my from my vantage point, they look terribly terribly lame. Are they as lame as they look when I see them on Twitter? <laughs> uh, well, it depends on the party. I, I don't think that ours were lame, and I'm pretty sure that uh, they're great NFT parties. It just depends how, how you do it. Um, sure. And and a lot of people, I don't uh, NFT people seem to be 
happy bunch of people, at least at the time when prices were pumping. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet they were. Yeah, when a board ape was $250,000, I bet they yeah. were thrilled. Are they uh, yeah. are they still uh, are they still happy now? When, they, when do you I, yeah have you been to any recently or do you know keep in touch with any of those people still? So I I haven't oh, online actually a few few days ago there was a art gallery in in Shibuya and there was like some collaboration with the gallery from New York and they showcased some of the NFT artists so my friends were there. Uh, participating and organizing so I went to support them uh, and yeah definitely attendance was not as high as before but I think that people are still building that space and uh, which is which is fine uh, I'm uh, so with, please sorry sorry I cut you off yeah so uh, at a time it's it, at least NFTs seemed like a cool application. Uh, and in my mind, it was always like a comparison with, with physical trading cards, right? Those, those baseball cards and whatnot. It seemed like, yeah, we, we should have something like that in digital world, right? But then when you dig a little bit deeper, it's actually not clear uh, what is the legal status of, of that ownership? Uh, it's not clear how decentralized it is because it's actually stored uh, on Amazon Cloud instead of uh, ordinals that are actually on, on Bitcoin chain right now. And uh, yeah, it's 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 not as as clear cut as I once thought, right? Uh, but the good thing about it was that a lot of artists managed to, to earn money uh, and got support through those projects, which I think is ultimately good. Uh, whatever, whatever brings money to people, right? But on the other hand, there, there was a lot of scam, a lot of like rug pulls that are still happening, which is, uh, which is awful. <laughs> Well, um, you mentioned the ordinals thing. This is just a side question. Do you see uh, the ordinal uh, or the BRC20 or um, the stance, whatever implementation of, of this kind of thing on Bitcoin, do you see that as meaningfully different than NFTs or is it basically the same thing, just a Bitcoin version of it? So, at least ordinals are weird. So, what is... Uh, meaningfully different between ordinals and and uh, NFTs on Ethereum and other like uh, altcoin altchains is that ordinals are embedded in, in blockchain, so information is on the blockchain and it's immutable. Uh, while on these other NFTs, it's usually just a pointer to to an Amazon cloud. So if the data disappears from the Amazon cloud, you don't have the NFT anymore, right? Mm. So in in that way, it's meaningfully different and. In fact, you can argue that the real NFT is, is the one on the Bitcoin and not the, the previous ones on Ethereum or, or whatever. Uh, do I think they're good or beneficial for the Bitcoin ecosystem? I don't know. It remains to be seen. Uh, <laughs> uh, so far, it seems that they raised the fee price. Uh, miners like it. Uh, users, not so much, but, you know. It is what it is. It's the sign of times. <laughs> do, do you maintain kind of your early optimism that this kind of thing um, 
has a has a use like say this not say NFTs on Ethereum but something like Ordinals that it has uh, staying power that there's something behind it that is uh, is meaningful or valuable. Yeah. So I, recently there was also the the whole discussion around drive chains again, which are also kind of related to to Ordinals too. Um, I. I don't think that anybody knows. Uh, I definitely hope and would like to see Bitcoin be primarily like a monetary tool uh, and have monetary use cases. Uh, I wouldn't like to see ordinals and, and drive chains uh, diminish the chances for that happening. So in that way, I kind of don't like it. But again, there's a counter argument. Yeah, but it's driving the adoption, right? So. You never know who is who is right or not, but given that uh, Bitcoin is decentralized and uh, people use it however they want, then it is what it is, and, and yeah. uh, it will just keep uh, keep mining those blocks. You you mentioned uh, quickly that uh, it was good for miners. Do you have any kind of mining interest or background? Uh, I well, I had that early uh, experiment in mining in 2000, 2014, right? That didn't go anywhere. And uh, this past, well, this year, early this year, I was entertaining an idea of uh, opening a small scale mining facility co located with the, another industrial process that could utilize the excess heat, for example. More specifically, in, in Serbia, right? Uh, Serbia is a big producer of, of uh, fruits and vegetables, and especially some dry fruits. So the idea was to collocate one, one facility for maybe drying plums or some other fruit, fruit with, uh, with Bitcoin mining and use the excess hit from Bitcoin mining for the industrial process. However, uh, Prices of, of electricity in Serbia were not uh, uh, not good for or, or like prop. Yeah, they were not good for Bitcoin mining at the time. So uh, that that didn't lead anywhere, and it just uh, yeah, it was just an idea stage. And right now, I don't have any mining efforts. Uh, yeah. However, I do I do think that uh, mining industry is pretty cool <laughs> and. Everything that's happening around the energy use, using, using the waste energy, uh, it's, it's great. With, uh, you mentioned um, having the idea, not, uh, it not exactly working out at this time, of doing uh, uh, the, the, dual, dual look, uh, the, the dual process mining thing um, in Serbia. Although not at the moment, uh, you said at the moment it doesn't work. It doesn't seem to, uh, to to make economic sense. But in the future, would somewhere like Serbia, you know, in, under different different circumstances, perhaps be a good location for uh, mining? Uh, I don't think so, unless political situation changes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Is it uh, uh, when you say political situation, you mean primarily the uh, the Russia Ukraine thing, or is it? Oh no, 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 just internal internal uh, government stuff. Oh, I see. I, I would I wouldn't really like to discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. 
no, no, that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, um, yeah, there's lots of places that, that make sense. There's lots of places that don't make sense. Like Japan, um, sadly, unless they turn on a bunch of more nuclear reactors, doesn't make a whole lot of sense with the, yeah. the cost of energy here and things like that. So some places work, some places don't. Yeah. So you mentioned, so you did the, uh, you came in, did the, the, you did the, the, uh, the NFT rave parties. You've done mine. Uh, you've had thoughts in mining. Have you done any other kind of things that have touched on altcoins or DeFi in the past? No, no, I didn't build anything. Uh, I didn't build anything with altcoins or, okay. or uh, at a time I did have like some, uh, some stake in altcoins, but those were sold off and uh, now I'm playing. <laughs> But uh, you're still, are you still holding on to uh, a mutant ape riding that all the way? Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. R- riding into the ground. No, <laughs> no, no, no altcoins anymore. Only stacking stacks. Amen to that. Um, well, that's cool. So I appreciate the background. It's actually helpful to know um, that you've had a, a fair amount of experience and thought a lot about different sectors, both in Bitcoin and outside. It's always good to, to know what's going on. Some... There are some in the in the Bitcoin world that have no time to even think about what goes on outside of the of our ecosystem. But I I tend to disagree. I like to know what's going on. I like to see what's happening. It might be crap, but I still want to know what's, what it is and I want to understand it. All that to say, you've you've worked on a few different things, and I I kind of want to see what your current focus is around, you've mentioned the AI and the Bitcoin, um, both in, in kind of separate spheres. Uh, do they connect in your world going forward? Are you working on anything that is like that? And uh, actually for pro- uh, myself and other people, can you give a quick <laughs> primer on when, when you say AI and machine learning, what you mean? Sure. So now it's Large language models are all the rage, right? GPT, GPT four, uh, Llama from from uh, Facebook or, or rather Meta. Everybody, everybody has heard about those things. But uh, machine learning in itself, it's it's a very old field. Uh, people started thinking about about that in nineteen forties and, and and even earlier, right? But uh, uh, we had around around twenty. 2012, we had the kind of boom in computer vision applications, basically using machine learning and AI for computer vision for like object recognition, segmentation, applications like that. And those were, uh, I, I don't think those those applications were that visible to, to end users. People were not like mesmerized by those, right? And uh, at the time, we were also working on natural language processing and Again, that didn't work that well until until two years ago when we came up with transformers and large language models, and now it just seems like magic. It seems that uh, AI can uh, think like humans; it can act like humans. Can even see, right? Uh, but uh, AI is, is is a large field, and it encompasses many many different things, not just uh, large language models that. Uh, that uh, you hear about nowadays 
and uh, yeah, in my my background is in all of those fields actually applying machine learning to computer vision, to reinforcement learning, to robot control, to data series analysis, um, and large language models nowadays too. In, in terms of uh, the AI intersection with Bitcoin, uh, there was, I think that uh, maybe Kathy Wood from our capital had like a comment or remarked that uh, there's a interesting possibility for, for synergy because Bitcoin is ultimately very scarce, right? Limited, while, while AI is kind of limitless in its potential, that you can scale it, you can replicate it, you can have a huge, um, huge amount of autonomous agents. And on the other hand, yeah, you have the scarce resource as, as Bitcoin, which is uh, digital native. And it makes sense that this AI entity kind of utilizes that, uh, that resource for monetary purposes. Uh, and Lightning Labs recently also had a, they, a few months ago, they released their protocol for uh, using Lightning payments on the, uh, in, in a, your AI agents, right? So they utilize something they call L402, basically to enable AI agents to seam, seamlessly interact with Lightning Network and uh, receive funds and, and, and send funds over, which, which is great. So you can now imagine a whole economy of uh, AI agents seamlessly transacting using Lightning Network. And maybe that's maybe that's a killer app for the Lightning Network. <laughs> I'm kind of, so I I heard about the L four hundred two, and I heard what you just said. Sadly, still I'm 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 a bit confused. Like, oh, so what exactly would the the interaction between um, the Lightning Network and uh, um, and and an AI protocol? do like what what exactly is it what, what you know what what's the uh, what's the value add like what does that do for it yeah okay so so for imagine that you have autonomous ai agents that that live on internet right in some cyberspace metaverse whatever and imagine that they're capable of performing tasks for you for imagine that they can uh, do online shopping for you. They can, uh, uh, whatever <laughs> tasks you do, tasks you do online, right? And sometimes whatever you, you need to pay for things online, and uh, you could try to give them access to your credit card and go through all that hurdle. But maybe it's just easier that your AI agents have their own Lightning wallets and then their funds and. Uh, just transact with, with merchants and with, with each other through like uh, decentralized uh, network without any intermediaries. Uh, I'm not sure if, if that, that made things more clear. Sure. It, it, it seems like, uh, maybe, I think one of the, perhaps maybe a disconnect for me is that, uh, or not disconnect, but I don't, um, for example, I don't use 
at least currently, I don't know how, when these things will get released. I don't have any AI agents currently doing anything for me. So how quickly are these AI agents to be employed or are they already? And I'm just a, a moron that's not using them. No, 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 you're not. Uh, and, and you're right. Current state of the AI agents is, uh, less than stellar, <laughs> meaning that you're in the early stages and uh, they're operational. You can deploy your agent to, to do stuff for you, but uh, you wouldn't trust it and they would fail more often than not. Right? <laughs> so, awesome. So definitely not good. And that's why you actually don't want to give, give the access to your credit card to that AI agent because it might start spending like thousands of dollars, right? So you can just give like a lightning wallet that's, that has a certain amount of funds and, uh, and okay, just go test with, with like, I don't know, 1,000 sats, whatever. Mm. Uh, Do you think... But, it, but it's definitely coming. So uh, I think that in a few years we'll have more reliable AI agents and... Uh, at some point in the future, we will have the whole economy around them. So um, you mentioned the groceries, so we'll stick with this one. The idea is that you'll you'll, um, you'll 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 set up a wallet and you'll give access to an AI agent, and that will go out and do your weekly shopping online. You don't have to touch it anymore; it just gets delivered. You got your groceries. Yeah, pretty much. Just think about it as, as your personal assistant. It's just that it's not a human. It's, it's an AI agent. So, so you tell it, oh, I want to I wanna go to whatever Malta for, for like summer vacation, visit my Bitcoin friends there, right? And just plan the trip for me, buy the tickets and organize hotels and everything. And an AI agent will do that for you. It will, find, it will connect to your schedule, see when you're available. See what are the best offers. It will purchase the tickets, flights, hotels. It will find you the best locations to visit. It will reserve hotels for you. So everybody will have like a personal assistance at some point. That's wild to think about, and the uh, the idea of it getting paid through through Lightning is great. And L, you, uh, the the implementation is L four hundred two. That's uh, is there anywhere? where people can play with that kind of thing or is that still just kind of uh, a theoretical release no, that so like it's, did? It's, it's not a theoretical release uh, people can find it that on the Lightning Labs uh, GitHub account they have two repos one L402 and the other one that's uh, related to the actual AI implementation You, they, people should just google L402, Lightning Labs, GitHub, and uh, they'll certainly find it and they can start playing with it. Cool. Yeah. Um, GitHub is something that always scares me. So I don't know if that I'm going to try the GitHub myself, but anybody listening, if you have the brain to use GitHub, please go ahead and do so. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that there is like a public facing, easy to use demo for this. Maybe there is. I'm just, I just didn't look into it. So, yeah. Cool. No, I think yeah, it's good. It's good to know. Um, so you got the the uh, the AI, the machine learning, and that's what you know, kind of uh, things that you're looking at. What are and thanks for the primer on 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 language models and whatnot. That brings us up to kind of questioning: What are you working on? How do these things interact or intersect for you? Bitcoin and machine learning and AI. What do you, uh, is there anything that you're working on that you want to highlight? So. 
they intersect quite directly in one of the projects that I'm uh, working on right now, uh, or or rather in two projects. But uh, the the big one that is that uh, we have something called BTC Vibes, <laughs> and uh, the story behind it was that uh, a few months ago, I'm a group of researchers from University of Florida released a research paper in which they tried to use GPT-3 or GPT-4, I'm not sure, to, to predict stock prices based on the news for that particular ticker, right? And I was like, okay, that's kind of catch a little bit, but it seems fun. Uh, let's try to do the same thing for Bitcoin, right? So I created a system that we called at that time BTC Predict, which would scan uh, for news from the previous day, like it would scan internet for all the mentions of Bitcoin, find those articles and, and, and analyze those articles, and then it would output the price of Bitcoin, or rather predict the price of Bitcoin in the next few days. So is it going to go up or down or, or stay neutral? Uh, so that that was running for a few weeks and the track record was kind of a mixed bag it was it would it would correctly predict larger movements based on some some big news but it would definitely miss smaller fluctuations and uh, intraday changes uh, and if we are being honest, the price of Bitcoin or any asset is depends on way more things than just the news cycle. Uh, so we decided to to, but the system was still very interesting, especially the the pipelines that we created to to scan for the news and analyze the news using AI, right? So we made uh, small changes and uh, adopted the system to instead of instead of uh, pre predict the price moment, it predicts or rather estimates the uh, sentiment of online community about Bitcoin, right? So it still scans for news and articles, it analyzes those articles, and then it says, oh, the community felt positive, negative, or neutral towards uh, Bitcoin at this point. And it also gives you the daily summary of news basically so instead of you having to to read all the articles about bitcoin and find out what happened yesterday you can just go to to our website or actually the ticker it's called bdc vibes app and you can see what what are the major things that happened uh yesterday and uh, for me personally it has been useful because more often than not it, it gives me some information that I was not aware of, and then I just follow, follow the source link and read more, more about it. And uh, yeah, the intersection between Bitcoin and AI, in this case, is kind of direct. We're using AI to, to analyze the, the news, analyze the online sentiment, and uh, yeah, hopefully bring more, more visibility to Bitcoin. <laughs> So you would, uh, this is, uh, you know, traders shouldn't use this to uh, trade Bitcoin on the five minute chart. But if you're, if you're uh, uh, kind of a macro thinker, you can use it to see what is in trend at the moment for Bitcoin 
sentiment and Bitcoin in the media. You know, if, uh, you know, at the moment, um, Bitcoin as a, a more positive ESG friendly kind of thing seems to be popping up a little bit in the news. So it would track that yeah. versus uh, six months ago when BSG or BS, uh, BTC was uh, the, the biggest threat to the environment ever kind of thing. Yeah, so it, people should definitely not think about it and consider it as a financial advice or investment advice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course. And uh, I see it primarily as a, as a media and education effort at this point than, than something that traders should use. I think that traders should be aware of uh, many other things and sentiment and news is just one data point. So sure, you can you can take the sentiment and, and these news summaries and uh, maybe try to infer something from that and pair it with other technical analysis that you're doing on a daily basis or weekly basis and then trade based on that. But uh, yeah, I I personally don't trade based on on just sentiment analysis. Or or if if I'm being honest, I I rarely if ever trade. And Bitcoin, I just stack. <laughs> yeah, that, that 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 is yes. Let let us under let us underscore that. No trading. We 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 uh, we, we we disavow any 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 shitcoin or any 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 shitty trading on this uh, on this show. Stack sats, stay humble. Whatever that I forget the line. Um, do that. Don't trade. You probably don't know what you're going to do. You're going to lose all your money. Um, <laughs> so the. Um, so for if it's um do you have a particular kind of um way you see i mean you gave a general kind of like how you would see people use it but is there a a, a specific kind of uh business sector you would see something like btc vibes employed in or used in yeah so as I mentioned, I use it uh, primarily as a summary of news and some, something to, as, as a starting point for my further reading, if I'm interested in it. Basically, a daily digest, big bites that I can understand. And then if I'm interested, I'll, I'll, I'll go follow the, the source. Uh, I think that's the best way to use it at this point. But uh, there's many ways that we could... Uh, we could uh, improve the app and, and add additional features given that we already collect all these articles on a daily basis and uh, we have them stored we can do further analysis on it we can do knowledge graphs we can do knowledge graphs we can uh, do more technical stuff and then if we do all that uh, uh, all that additional analysis maybe it, it could become a valuable tool for people who trade right if if we stay away from that and, and focus on the more media and education side then you can just see it as a as a daily newsletter right uh, and the the closest comparison would be milk road i'm not sure if you're familiar with it no that one doesn't sound familiar yeah milk road is basically a very popular uh crypto newsletter but they're general crypto meaning altcoins and bitcoin and they're kind of fun on a fun side they have memes they have jokes and uh, yeah btc vibes is 
is an alternative to that and focused only on, on Bitcoin, right? Yeah, if you go to our Twitter account, which is at BTC Vibes app, you'll see that uh, we try to stay up, up to date with our memes. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a fun space. <laughs> That's cool, yeah, uh, for those uh, uh, looking, it's at BTC, V-I-B-E-S, that, and uh, uh, the, uh, the site is btcvibes.app, correct? Yeah, so site is btcvibes.app and the Twitter account is btcvibes.app. All yep. like uh, one thing. All um, under all under case. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned um, so that's um, that's one um, thing that you're working on. You mentioned two. What is the the other one that you're working on? Uh, so the other one is not actually related to Bitcoin directly, but. Uh, it could benefit significantly from from uh, Bitcoin and Lightning payments. For example, the the app itself is uh, a service that allows you to get summaries and transcripts of uh, YouTube videos in in uh, dozen different languages. For example, if uh, you put in a Japanese uh, language YouTube video, you can get a summary of that video in English or in Russian or in Hindi or a couple of different languages, right? And uh, right now that service is uh, free of charge for people to use. Uh, and it, it has like uh, two donut buttons, right? It has like a fiat donut button and it also has a Bitcoin donut button if you want to do that. And I recently realized that more people tip with Bitcoin than with fiat money. I'm not sure why, but that's the case. <laughs> and I'm actually glad that that's the case. On the other hand, uh, as I mentioned, the service is right now free for people to use and people can access it at shocky.app. Uh, and it, it uses my my own personal credits and funds to, to run the AI analysis for the videos, right? But I cannot... Uh, I cannot sponsor the whole thing indefinitely by myself. So what I'm thinking is that I should uh, probably uh, charge for the service, right? But, and, and the standard way to charge for the service is to have monthly subscription and, and bother people to create accounts and, and uh, yeah, deal with all that stuff. Other option is to, to implement something like this L402 and then just uh, charge people per token, right? Uh, per token usage of, for AI. And that'll be quite cheap. So it would be like, I don't know, you use like 1000 tokens, you have to pay 10,000 sats, right? That will be infeasible with, with uh, traditional credit cards because they don't wanna process such, such small amounts and fees on that are like bigger, right? So lightning, Lightning payments would, would uh, be great for that use case. Yes, that sounds fantastic. Get um, get on that. I, I'm sure I myself personally can use this this service. So I'll be as soon as you get this up and running, I'll be I'll be signed up for it myself. Well, well, service is up and running, so you can use it right now for free. So. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> what I, sorry, what I meant was uh, the uh, the 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 membership thing. I, you know, yeah. this is a value for value podcast, and we like to to give value where we. 
we receive value. So once we get uh, the ability to uh, pay monthly or, or pay pay like uh, pay like you're describing, be all about it. And so I would just like to expand on the, the utility of Lightning payments for, for services, like for AI services, right? So one, as I mentioned, and I'm not sure how familiar your audience is with how these Lightning models operate, but they basically operate on, on tokens. And you can think about tokens as words. They're not exactly words, but you can think about them like that. So if you put a sentence of 10 words to your large language models, it will output some response that will be like, let's say 20, 20 words, right? So in total, that's 30 words. You can think about it, that's 30 tokens. And OpenAI and other, and other providers usually charge you per token, but that charge is very small. So for example, 10,000 tokens on OpenAI, it's probably like uh, $0.1, right? Uh, and you could, so you could implement lightning payment system in which, yeah, you just charge SATs for each token. Uh, and that would be infeasible with, with the traditional finance system. That's one thing. And the other thing that uh, lightning payments uh, help with is, is fraud. So again, on the example of these big AI companies that offer large language model services, how you usually use them is you have a monthly subscription. But the problem they have is that uh, a lot of people are signing up with the fake credit cards. So they sign up with a fake credit card and they charge the credit card for 20 bucks, right? Or whatever it is, a monthly payment. But given that it's fraud and fake, uh, OpenAI needs to, to return the money at some point or they don't get the money in the first place. So it's a big problem for, for OpenAI and other, and other providers. And if this payment is being done through Bitcoin and Lightning, then payment is irreversible. So there won't be, there wouldn't be any, any fraud of that kind. Uh, so I think that both of those use cases are very compelling. Absolutely. I mean, I haven't used it yet, but I'm sold. So. I pray that you guys hurry up. And I hope I, I hope you computer nerds hurry up and get me this product so that I can use it. Uh, so, the so we're coming up on about ten minutes left here. So I'll I'll start wrapping us up. The um, uh, one of the the questions that I always like to ask people, especially those who are in Japan, is working in Japan in Bitcoin and and space. Uh, it has uh, Japan has uh, the perception of being very advanced and very welcoming and being very technologically uh, oriented. Uh, although those of us who live here do find out quickly that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> doing, doing business here is, is somewhat complicated sometimes. Uh, so this uh, this uh, there's a two two part question here. The the name of the show is uh, Tokyo Citadel. So I'm always curious if you think in the future uh, Tokyo will be uh, a good place to set up kind of a, a home base for Bitcoiners in the future. Um, and also, uh, what is your uh, experience or how has uh, your experience been living and working in, in the tech sector and the Bitcoin sector here in, in Japan? So you can take those questions as you see fit. Yeah. So uh, Japan was early on on the crypto 
crypto game scene, right? I mean, Mangox is based in, in Japan, right? Although that's not a success story, but whatever. <laughs> so Japan was <laughs> like a very, very early adopter. Uh, and then I think that some regulation changed and the government became more conservative. So the, the development kind of scaled in Japan while it continued in US. So right now Japan is, I would say, lacking, uh, lagging compared to US and other parts of the world. Uh, but I do see, I do see some movement on the government side that they're trying to promote crypto and DeFi, although they're misguided in their like efforts and they're conflating uh, Bitcoin with, with the rest of the ecosystem. But at least they're trying. Uh, I'm not sure how successful they will be, but yeah. And if Tokyo can become a citadel, it will depend primarily on the government and, and on the people and how they vote, vote for the government, right? It would be great to see a bigger adoption of Bitcoin here in Japan. I would love to see that. And uh, but time will time will show what show how it uh, plays out here in Japan. And on just the building in Japan, it my experience is is largely positive. So as you mentioned. The perception of the outside world is that Japan is super advanced in, in every domain, but that's not the reality on the ground. And even for robotics and AI, the primary, primary, primary reason why I came here, it's actually not the case. So Japan is, for example, very good at building robots as like hardware, right? And electronics, but they were not, and they're still not very good at the software side and the AI side, right? And there is many similar uh, situations and it was like, yeah, this is like very advanced, like trains or whatever, but then you have uh, fax machines in the offices, right? <laughs> so it's just a weird situation like that. Um, but I do think that Japan has a huge potential to be a tech hub and more specifically an AI hub for, for the uh, Asia. Because right now, most of the AI development and all the companies that we hear about are primarily in US, right? And uh, most likely in, in, in Silicon Valley. But we don't want AI field to be dominated by, by one country, one government, or one company. We, we need to have like open AI, well, not open AI company, but like AI op in a sense of op open source AI, right? And we need it to be decentralized. So I hope that uh, Japan can be a beacon and a leader in AI for the Asian region, right? And offer some counterbalance to US. And I think that government uh, is uh, starting to realize that and is starting to support more and more AI efforts. I know new companies are getting funded here. To, to build uh, new AI technology and, and products. So it is it is an interesting time to, to be in Tokyo and build in Tokyo. And obviously, Japan is a beautiful country. Uh, it's great to be here. And I think a lot of people from abroad will be willing to, to come here and uh, both experience life here and also build here. So it, 
I, I do I do think that Japan and Tokyo are very compelling for for building tech and AI products. You heard it, folks. Tokyo will be a citadel in the future. Marco has has said it to be so. <laughs> Um, so let me let on the on the last question here. What does the future look like for you? You're going to be are you going to be in Japan for a little while? Uh, any new projects on the horizon? Well, you, you mentioned that uh, Nasser Asia is happening here in Tokyo, November first to November fourth. So I'll be uh, volunteering for that event, helping out with the organization. Hopefully, that that is going to be a big success. And. Uh, yeah, people, people who come here, hopefully they'll see that Japan is a great place. Um, and uh, on the building side, yeah, so I'm focused on this BTC Vibes project, and I have another more AI-focused project in the pipeline, but uh, nothing I can share much at this point, but uh, soon, soon I'll be able to, to share with, with people. <laughs> Well, when, you're, when, when it's up and running, let us know, because uh, we will make sure to let everybody know where that is at. But for right now, you've got Shoki app and BTC, uh, BTC Vibes app, which are, are where people can look for your work. Uh, do you have any place uh, for people who hear that if they want to reach out to you, uh, that they can get a hold of you at? Yeah, certainly. So my handle on every social media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, even email is uh, S-I-M-I-C-V-M. Basically, my last name, Simich, and then VM, like virtual machine. <laughs> so if folks want to get you, they can hit you up there, which uh, I would recommend them to do. I look forward to at Nostra Asia getting to meet you in person. Uh, that'll be in, a, what, about four or five weeks from now. So uh, stay in contact, brother. I look forward to the... Uh, time when we can meet in public and maybe during the uh, the event we can get something going and maybe hear a little bit more about your opinion on how Nostra Asia went. But for now, yeah. many thanks. Many thanks, brother. It was great. We'll try and get you on again sometime and please keep us updated with uh, the new projects when they come out. Certainly. Thank you. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you can support the show and help us grow by listening on Fountain a podcast app on iOS or Android. You can share your thoughts on this episode or simply say thanks by sending some sats with a comment called a boost. Getting started is easy. You can top up your fountain wallet with a bank card or any lightning wallet. You can earn sats by listening on Fountain and being an active member of the community. Visit fountain.fm to learn more. And we thank you for listening to us today. You can find us on Twitter and Noster at Tokyo Citadel. You can find us on our main site, tokyocitadel.com. And please check out our guests that, that you heard today. Support us on the Fountain app with a thousand sat boost. Or head on over to the site and hit us up with some love over there. Building sovereignty, privacy, and hope into the Tokyo Citadel. See you next time.